messages. I want to jump into it uh, this morning that, that we entitle powerful or power principles to shape your life. And the reason we're going into this, so many things around us right now in the last few years, that if you're not careful, uh, you begin to allow that to shape your life, to shape your thinking. If we don't, if we're not careful, we allow the nightly news to shape our thinking. We allow what we're talking about at the dinner table to shape our thinking. We, we allow the circumstances of life to shape how we conduct our day-to-day lives. But really, you know, and if we're not careful, we just think, well, that's just the way it has to go. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that there is a course of this world, and then there is a working or a course of eternity uh, led and directed by the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter Chapter 2, he says, you were raised with Christ. So do not allow yourselves to be dictated to or moved about by every fad of the day, which is directed by the prince of the power of the air. He is the one who is even now working in the sons of disobedience. In other words, the offspring of Adam's disobedience. But we are no longer products of Adam's disobedience, but we are offspring or products of the obedience or the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been born again. And so God clearly says there is a couple of different directions that are going, and we get to choose where we're going to participate and where we're going to walk in. But the enemy is trying to get a flow of which you feel like, I can't help it. I'm just moving in this direction without help and without Hope, And so all of a sudden, the enemy is working to create uh, an uncertainty, somewhat a hopelessness. And then all of a sudden, you know what? I I just feel helpless. But I'm here to tell you that you have help. Come on, on, you have help. The helper, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. If you're a born-again believer and follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he's your helper. So although you may not know what's going to happen next or how, you are not without help. You are not helpless, and you shouldn't be hopeless because God is a God of hope. So Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, God says this, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. There are thoughts of good and not of evil. They are of a future and a hope. They're of a future and a hope. In other words, God says, listen, I have plans for you. I have things written out. They may not happen tomorrow. You might not pray and drive up to the spiritual McDonald's drive-up window and get it tomorrow, but I have a plan for your life. And if you'll follow me in that plan, right? Life comes at us. 25, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, life comes at you. Sometimes it presents surprises and we're like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. But as we follow Jesus in life, He says, if we had followed Jesus in life, make him our Lord, our master, the one we follow, his example, his word, the way that he goes, he said, we would not be disappointed. And disappointment comes from unfounded expectations. In other words, we want life to be the way that we want it to be. But God says, I have life planned in the way that I designed it to be for you. Sin may have messed the ultimate plan up because man chose, but I have a plan that is still going to come to pass. And so we get into that mindset, if we're not careful, uh, whatever will be, will be. 
And because God knows everything and I don't know anything, God has it all planned and God's in control of everything. And we'll say this a few times throughout this message just to help us know that there are powerful principles that God has given to us that we can shape the future that we're going to live in. And the devil would love us to continually have the past lived in light, or the future lived in light of our past, but if our past hasn't been good, we can continue to repeat our past. But God doesn't want us to repeat our past. He wants us to experience the future that he really has planned, and we have something to do with that. God has given us, especially in the new birth, he's given us this precious thing called eternal life. And to just act like we don't have anything to do with it or to do about it is just irresponsible. But we realize the preciousness of the life that God gave us and that he gave us his word, he gave us his spirit, he put gifts in men to communicate. God says, I've done about everything that I could do to communicate to you where I want you to go so that, right? Why did he give us all these things to communicate to us what his will was because we have a choice in obeying his will. If there was no choice in it, why do we have the Bible? Why do we have the Holy Spirit? Why do we have ministers telling us if there's no choice, we have no need? There was no need of Jesus if it doesn't depend upon us to some level. And so, you know, people will go back and say, well, God knows these things. And so I just want to jump in here. I, 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 boy, I, I really need to move. But here in Je- Je- Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us, somebody say to us, and to our children forever. Come on, the things that God reveals to us are not just for us, but they have a product down the road, not only for us, but our children forever. That we may do all the words of the law or all the words that God has spoken to us or revealed to us. So what happens so many times, we're just like God knows everything, yet at the same time, we continue to pester God about the things we don't know. But there's some things that God's never going to tell you. There's some things that God's not going to tell you. He's told you to go to a place that he's gifted a person to tell you. And then there's some things God's not going to tell you because he doesn't want you carrying it. It's not yours to carry. There's some things God's not telling you because really you wouldn't understand it if he told you. You know, whether fortunately or unfortunately, I'm sure fortunately, there's a couple of large situations in life that God has never explained to me. And in fact, he's told me he won't tell me and I don't need to know them and not to let them enter into my thinking at all. And there are things I want to know. I'll just tell you, I want to, to this day, if it was open to me, but the moment I even start, it jumps in, the enemy throws it in there. What happened here? Man, there's something rises up in me that says, don't you touch this. And it serves me well not to touch that because I know that if I go down that road and God's not gonna tell me, I am spending a lot of time and energy in vain. 
And there are so many things that God has revealed to me and to us that are for us and for our children forever. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 9, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for those who love him. See there, Pastor? We don't know about that. God's just prepared things, and God will take care of it. Wait a minute. Just keep reading. That's Old Testament. He says, but God has, somebody say has. God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Now, wait a minute. In Deuteronomy, he says there's secret things that God has for himself, but what has been revealed to us is for us and our children forever. And he said, there's things that God hasn't told us, but the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you. Why? Because the moment he reveals them to us, we are responsible to take his instruction, his direction, his guidance, and his help to walk in them. To walk in them. He says, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of men except the Spirit that is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And so we're not left without things revealed to us, but sometimes there's things that we'll never know. Sometimes there's things that are held to be revealed at a certain time of growth so that we're able to walk in them. And then we have things in the word that just when you enter into life with God, there's revelation knowledge concerning how we live this life in Christ Jesus. And so he continually says there are things for God to know. So, you know, as we said last week, people say, well, God's just in control. Well, if he is, then he's doing, there's some things he's just not very good at. Right? And so you look at that. But then actually where God comes in to be in control, we tend to rebel. When God says, now this is the way that it is. You walk in forgiveness. Well, you know, I just can't walk in forgiveness. Now, if God's in control, anyway, I won't go off on that because we have some things that I believe are important today. So we're going we're to jump in today, and we're going to talk about, praise the Lord, we're going to talk about the, the, the principle of the seed. The principle of the seed. It's a powerful principle that we understand. I'm sure many of you will know some of the scriptures that we look at, but I really want to jump into this. Turn over to Galatians chapter 6, starting verse 7. I'm going to read from the Phillips translation. And it says, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. If he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his own nature. But if he sows for the Spirit, he will reap the harvest of everlasting life by that Spirit. So let us not grow tired of doing good, for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. The ultimate harvest is assured. Let us then do good to all men as opportunity offers, especially to those who belong to the Christian household. 
Come on, he says, God won't be made a fool of. Right? We think, well, I'll show God. I'll live life however I want to. Well, that won't make a fool of God. And God has put things uh, in the earth, and one of those is seed time and harvest. So many times, if we're not careful, we always look at somebody and say, you'll reap what you sow. But we generally say that when they say something we don't like, or they're acting in a way that we don't like. Well, you're going to reap what you sow. But actually, Paul brings this in much more of a positive light. If you go back and read it, he said, this is what Paul is talking about. He's saying, how do we help a fellow believer who has backslidden or been caught in a fault? We come in love and we begin to put, bring them forward. We begin to be meek in how we're sharing with them. We don't come with condemnation. We don't come with judgment. He said, because if you come that way, be careful lest the same thing come upon you. Have you ever been doing good spiritually and you're telling somebody, go, 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 and you know, about six months later, you're in the same issue and you're not go, go, going as much as you thought you would go, go, go? Come on, there's some times that there's, you're, you have an observation from where you are, and that's a positive that you have an observation where you are, but be careful how you share it lest you come into the same place. And then he says, we have a responsibility. I know this confuses people. It says when somebody's caught in a fault, help them bear that burden until they come out of it. And then he goes on to say, you just bear your own burden. In other words, he says, we're there to help one another, but we're also there to take responsibility to carry what is ours and to bring that forward. So he's talking about this, this responsibility in life, this how we help one another, how we receive teaching, and how we communicate those things, right? So he's talking about a positive. If we're helping people, we're carrying our own load, and, and, and we're listening to what God is telling us, he said, there is good things that are going to happen. But just understand, if you reject all of that for your own benefit, he said, it'll produce something other than what God has. So he said, don't get tired in doing good things. Anybody ever, anybody here ever got tired of just doing good things? Thank you for your honesty. We have a few honest people here. It's just like Alan said, we do it for a while and we think, man, in, in time, I've done good for so long. I have done good for a week. I've done good for a year. I mean, really, something should be happening right now because I've done so much good. But just in that, that we're always anxious about our good not producing something tells us, why are we doing the good that we're doing? So turn over to Genesis chapter 8 with me. Genesis chapter 8, Paul is very uh, impressed here. He says, God will not be made a fool of. In other words, God put a principle in the earth for our benefit. But that principle is a law, and it will work to your benefit or to your detriment depending upon how you operate in that law, how I operate in that law. And so here, right after the flood, uh, God is talking to Noah. And, uh, uh, you know, after the flood, a lot of things changed, but God is telling him a lot of things have changed. But these are some things that will not change. He said, while the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be cold and heat. Somebody say cold and heat. Sounds a little bit like climate change. Not in the way they say, but there will be differences and change. There will be cold and there will be heat. 
Come on, we can't get all shook up and let stuff stir us up, and we also can't let it make us mad. It's just a law in the earth. As long as the earth is here, there's going to be times when it seems cold and times when it seems hot. And depending on where you are, you can be Florida where it's always supposed to be warm, but it'll get cold sometime. Winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. There's other laws in the earth, but what's he saying? He's saying these are principles that God put in the earth to help men and women manage the earth. These are things, when you think about it, day and night, summer, winter, cold and heat, seed time and harvest, they are laws in the earth that help us conduct and manage our life. And so when God created the earth, right? He created the earth. He said, it's all good. And then he gave a charge to the man and the woman to manage the earth. So again, people will say, well, God's in control of everything because he's sovereign. Well, God is sovereign, but not in the way that many people think that he is. In his sovereignty, he gave us the ability to choose, and that we would realize the consequences of our choice. And so Psalms 115 in verse 14, it says, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. Again, God's always talking long-term. He's talking generationally, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. In other words, what we're saying is there's some things here that God has given us to manage. And so as a whole, he's given us a way to really shape our future, but he's also given us laws in the earth that really as we collectively obey, we begin to shape the future that comes even for the next generation. So it's very important. So again, you can begin to see that if, if we're not careful, we, we begin to get to this point of just saying, well, whatever happens to the next generation or whatever is going on in the world, it's just going to happen because God is in charge of everything or God is in control. Well, God's not out of control. God's not out of control. But in areas, he has said, I'm giving responsibility for the management of your life. And if you will take these laws that I've put in the earth. And so Paul is talking to them about how how do we manage our life. He said, there's a law in the earth that God won't be made a fool of. You can't just do whatever you want and have a God outcome. Whatever, there's a law in the earth. It's called seed time and harvest. And we get to choose it. It's a law. It's inevitable. It will take place just like the sun comes up and, the, uh, and it goes down at night. Just like the rising of the sun and the setting of the same day and night are secure, so is seed time and harvest. And even if you don't want the sun to go down, it's going down. Even if you don't want a harvest to come up, it's coming up. It's seed time and harvest. And so what we do or the choices that we make are so important. Again, Paul told, told, uh, or God told Moses, he said, listen, uh, in Deuteronomy 13, 15, and then again in 19, he said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and 
your descendants. God is looking for fruit long-term that you and your descendants might live. We're shaping not just our future, but the future that's ahead of us even for the next generation. Come on, it's a great responsibility to understand that God has given us choice. It's an awesome, awesome thing to think about this just for a moment. And I've got to hurry, but I believe this is important to understand that, listen, in the light of what Jesus Christ has done in redemption, his death, burial, and resurrection, in the light of all that, there are still people who choose to reject Jesus as Lord and Savior. God did everything that he could. He told us that, right? He told us that Jesus is not a way into relationship with God. He is the way, the truth, the life. That in Jesus Christ, the, uh, the sin and the judgment and the penalty, the iniquity of the world was upon him. Sin might be taken care of and the penalty of sin might be taken care of and paid for. And so provision has been made for everyone that their for, the forgiveness of their sin has already been paid for. For every man, forgiveness of sin has already been paid for. So our question says, well, then is everybody going to get saved? No. You have to choose to accept the price that was paid for your sin. And so hell is only going to have people in it that chose to reject Jesus. It's such a lie of the devil to say, how could a God of love send people to hell? God is not sending anyone to hell People will choose to reject Jesus. Come on, today to just understand what Jesus has done, whether you're watching online or you're right here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I mean, it's so easy to blame God for everything, but he's done everything good, and then he's given us a choice to receive and to accept everything that he's done for us. And he says, when you accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, as the way into God, he says, all of a sudden something happens that you become an heir of God and a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? He says, after you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't get what you deserve, you get what he deserves. Come on, that's part of being the heir, is not getting what you deserve under sin, but you get what Jesus deserves in righteousness. We're set free. Why would anybody reject that? Well, many, because they haven't heard it. That's why we have to tell them. But others just say, I don't believe it, and they reject it. But they have a choice. We have a choice. Now, when it comes to that, many Christians are like, well, I made that choice. But that same principle goes on to everything that Jesus provided for us. And it's easy to say they're rejecting Jesus. How could they do that? But we start rejecting provision. We start rejecting this life that comes just based on choices that we have and choices that we make. So th- here's a few things about the seed. He said, if a, uh, here, if a seed is sown and welcomed into ground and cared for, welcomed into good ground and cared for, it will produce multiplied seeds of the same kind within its fruit. Now, we all know the fruit looks different than the seed, so we're like, I don't know that this is what I sowed, but when you break it open, there's a lot of what you sowed in there. In other words, once we partake of the fruit, if it's bad seed, there's a whole lot more going in as we partake of the fruit. There's a lot more seed there. But if it's good fruit, there's a lot more seed for the future that comes. 
It works in both ways. So we understand this. Seeds are self-contained powerhouses designed to release what is within to bless those who are without. Seeds are self-contained powerhouses designed to release what is within to bless those who are without. So the seed is a vital part of shaping our future. And how we are blessed to be a blessing. And so here we just want to understand and, and really look at some things. Here, I need to cut, cut, cut a course here real quick. Praise the Lord. To get to a, a couple of places to understand this, you know, why is it a law? Why is it predetermined that seed time and harvest are going to happen? Seed time and harvest are predetermined. It's going to happen. God said it's a law in the earth. Now, what we choose to sow and how is up to us, but the law is predetermined. Why? Because God said it. This law is upheld by the power of his word. It's upheld by the working of his power. It's a law. God spoke it. If he said it, he's watching over it to make it come to pass. Amen. Right? He said, if the sun's coming up and the uh, uh, sun is going down, if you experience cold and heat, if you experience winter and summer, you also are going to experience seed time and harvest. It exists in the earth. Right? So first of all, it's upheld by God's power. Secondly, it's always we're going to see it working because every person is sowing seed in some way throughout their life. Because we think of it financially, some of you are like, nope, not me. I'm not sowing any seed. But we are sowing seed in some aspect of our life. So I just want to give you these uh, uh, three things, these three areas to think about, to understand what the Bible says about how we are sowing seed, ways that we are sowing seed. First of all, we sow seed with our words. We sow seeds with our words. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 says this, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things things. And so what we let, again, there is the sowing of seed that we have, and then there is also how we receive seed sown into our life. When we understand the power of sowing and reaping, we begin to look at and understand, listen, there's people trying to sow into our lives. How do we receive that? But there's also seed that we sow. It's the, 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 the law of the seed. And so in, in uh, what is it, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. You all know that. And so the sower sows a seed. He goes on to tell them about different kinds of ground and the fruit. And they said, we don't understand this. So he says, I'm going to explain it to you in terms that you can understand the spiritual truth. The sower sows the word. Sowing words. Words that we speak are sowing seeds. And he said, now the seed that is sown has produce in it, 
right? It has produce in it, and, and, and the kind of ground that it's received into will de- determine the fruit. Some on stony ground, some on a, a rocky soil. It starts to come up, but it doesn't last very long because of the weather that comes. Another one goes in, takes root, starts to come up, but it can't make it because of the desires of the heart and lust for other things. And then there is the ground it's received into, and it produces 30, 60, and maximum yield or 100-fold, the best possible result of that seed. So he says that. So when it's the word of God that Jesus is talking about, it says, you know what? You receive it, and whatever type of soil it is, it'll produce fruit. The principle of sowing and, and reaping here in Mark chapter 11 explains, you know, we, all you all are here. You're, you're here for a good reason to listen. But the odd thing is, listen, you know, after today's service, some will go out and say, man, I'm going to put that to practice, the law of the seed. That blessed me so much. And somebody will go out and say, I don't even know why I came today. Amazing. Same seed different harvest. Somebody's sitting right next to it. Why? Condition of soil. Condition of soil. He says, if you'll receive the seed and embrace it and care for it, it will produce multiplied seeds in the fruit that it produces. And it will produce fruit. But understand this so many times that we are sitting in church thinking about dinner, thinking about something else, thinking about, oh my gosh, oh, thinking about, you know, whether or not everything is right on the platform, thinking about whether you like me or you don't like me. And at the same time, there's a seed going forth that has the potential to explode and produce multiplied fruit of that but we're not receiving it, but we'll go home and listen to the news and open our heart and receive it lock, stock, and barrel and then wonder why we're having worry, why we're having stress, why we're having fear. Because not only are we the ones who determine what we sow, but we are the ones who determine how we receive what might be sown into our life. And what we allow to be sown will produce. What we sow into good soil will produce. Smart sower knows where they're sowing, what kind of ground. But also we determine what gets sown into our life because it will produce a harvest. So that's not fair. That person told me that. That person influenced me. Well, you only have one heart. Why are you letting somebody who's saying things contrary to the word of God into that place in your heart? knowing that if I receive that into my heart, it's going to produce fruit in my life. So Proverbs chapter 18, you all know this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat the fruit of it. So he's still talking about sowing and reaping words. He said you'll sow either words of life or you'll sow words of death. You get to determine If people are sowing words of death, don't receive that into your life. It will produce fruit. Number two, we sow seed with our deeds or our actions. Luke chapter 6, starting verse 37, it says, Judge not that you shall be not judged. Condemn not that you shall not be condemned. Forgive and it will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 
In other words, he says how you react. Are, are you being judgmental? What do you do? Your deeds are sowing seed to produce something in life. And they are combined. Our deeds need to be congruent with our words. Often we're seeing a produce in our kids. We're, we're losing our kids because we say, say, uh, do as I say, not as I do. And they're getting confused. They're like, you're saying, follow God, go to church, do that. But we're saying, you know what? I go to church when I want to because I'm old enough. I do what I want to. And you say, I don't know why my kids are so resistant and just wanting to do what they want to. They should do what's right. But they've heard and watched you do what you want to do, even though you say they should do what you say to do. You're sowing one thing with your words, but you're sowing something totally different with your action. And it starts to cause confusion. And when they grow up and do what they want to do instead of what you said they should do, then we get frustrated as to why they're going away from God. But we haven't even consistently followed in our actions what we've sowed with our words. But if we're sowing with our words, and we understand that we're sowing with our deeds. Come on, it goes through the whole thing. He says, if you'll honor your father and mother, you'll reap a long life. Thank you for your enthusiasm. He said, there's something in your action in honoring your father and mother that reaps an honor of God that gives you a long life full of what God has for you. Job chapter 4 verse 8 says, even I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble, they reap the same. Right? That's a negative, but the positive is if we sow righteousness and we plow up righteousness. He talks about getting into that place of God and breaking up the fallow ground in Hosea so that we can have a good harvest. Come on, the seed time and harvest, it's a law. We can't just go about our actions, doing whatever we want to do and expecting it's going to create a different result. If we're doing things that are not right before God and we're seeing ungodly things and we're saying, I want it to be godly, you can go insane if you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. If you expect to live ungodly and have godly blessings, you're deceiving yourself. And you think, well, I'll just show God I can do what I want and still get his blessing. Come on, don't be under the illusion that you can make a fool of God. What well, we sow, we reap. Again, there's a touch there just to understand, but God didn't put it in the earth so that we would have a bad harvest. He put it so that we'd understand as we walk in righteousness, as we get our words to cultivate, even though somebody may have sowed bad, some, uh, some bad seed and producing in our life, we can begin to speak and sow good things and plow up that ground. There's action, there's words that plow up the old ground, and then we get a chance to plant a good harvest in our life. Some people say, can I pray against a crop failure? Heard one minister say, no, but you can plead the mercy of God where you've planted bad seed. Instead of just going, God, don't let the crop come up. Just say, God, I planted some bad things. Have mercy on me. Come on, he gives us mercy. Last thing, third thing, sowing seed with our resources. We know this, I think, more than, more, you know, we hear this more often than not. 
but it's still the truth. Our resources, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Listen, this, this, this he's talking about that financial seed sown, purposing in your heart. He's getting ready to take an offering for Jerusalem. He's telling them, you've been wanting to do this for a year. Now's the time. Quit thinking about your good intentions to do it and actually do something because if you act now, it will start to produce something. But he says, when we obey God and we understand the law of sowing and reaping, we think, man, I, now I'm gonna sow this. I have to do good. He says, no, when you start start sowing good, God meets you at that place of grace. Come on, listen, God is not watching over his word. I heard a minister say this, God is not watching over his word so you can perform it. God is watching over his word so he can perform it in you. Come on, we're not without help when we decide, I'm going to sow in my words, I'm going to sow in my actions, I'm going to sow my resources. Grace comes and God meets you there because God's watching over his word to make sure, just like sowing and reaping, the sun goes up, the sun goes down, there's cold and heat that he set a law. He's ready to make that come to pass in your life. He's your helper. He's called alongside of you to say, if you're going to sow this seed, bless God, I'm going to come alongside. We're going to make sure that it has a harvest. And I'm going to give more seed to sow. And I'm going to give you bread for food. It's seed time and harvest. We think if I do that, I just got to work this out. He says, you do it, and I'll come alongside of you. And my grace, my ability, my favor, and my influence will meet you right there at the point of sowing to make sure you have a harvest. Praise the Lord. Cutting across all these notes. I have like six pages of notes, which lets you know I have about six years right here. Um, but just understand this. This is what I want to end with. God's so amazing. He's put these laws in the earth. This principle is so powerful to shape our future. We've heard it financially. We think I know that. But you have a choice, and I have a choice. The words that we speak, understanding that those words are powerful seed. It's a container within those words, right? A seed looking so small has within itself to burst forth into big things and multiplied things. Think about that next time you think, I'm just going to enter into small talk. Your talk might be small, but those words contain something to grow into something much bigger. That in that seed is contained everything to bring forth a stalk, a tree, the fullness of fruit in its season. And in all of that fruit, multiplied seed sown. It's a law that God put in the earth to exponentially multiply righteousness, exponentially multiply good things. But because it's a law, it can work in the negative. See, when negative happens, we're like, well, God must be in control, and we're not paying attention to the law that's in the earth, what we've sown and what it's bringing. But if we realize, you know, usually when good things are happening, we're like, because I did this, man. I went to church. I was saying the right thing, doing the right thing. 
And we kind of go, it's me. No, both are a law that God put. When we sow, we're going to reap. When we choose to sow negative things, we reap that. But Hosea said this, sow for yourselves righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. He says, come on, there may be some things in your life, there may be some things that have dried you out, that have hardened you, that have hardened you to life, that have hardened you to the things of God. He says, you just get ready, you break up the fallow ground, and you sow in righteousness, you're going to reap in the mercy of God. But if it seems dry, prepare yourself and seek God because he's coming to rain righteousness on your seed and bring a harvest of multiple seeds in the fruit that comes as you plant. Father, we thank you. We praise you. (laughs) We magnify you. You're a great God. You see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. You created us, put us here, put laws in the earth that are indisputable, they're undeniable, they're inevitable. And you've instructed us how to operate in those according to your plan that we might shape our future to be that which you intended for us even in the beginning. Holy Spirit, I ask you to move on every heart and on every life. Teach us and guide us. As we go from this place, let us not be forgetful hearers but doers knowing that there is a harvest. Father, for those who've been sowing, they've been doing good. They've been giving of their resources. They've been doing their best to say the right words. God, help them to not grow weary in doing good. But give them a confidence that you are at work right now, that they will reap a harvest if they don't quit. Encourage all of us to continue the course with patience and perseverance and endurance to move into this harvest field that is being prepared, the harvest of souls, the harvest of what we planted for good is ready and being ready for us to experience, not apart from you, but with you and by your grace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? Say this we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.